Welcome to The Pestle, reviewing and breaking down movies to look for insights into the movie-making process. Time travel. How come people can travel through time but not teleport? The Earth is moving, you know, so you have to, like, travel through time and relocate to a different part of the solar system. Anyway, it's a whole thing. Let's dim the lights and start the show. Welcome, everybody, to The Pestle. Today's show is brought to you by Hamsterdam. Get your fix at Hamsterdam. <laughs> I'm not even going to ask. I don't even I don't know where you get all this. <laughs> Welcome to The Pestle. I am Wes. And I'm Todd. And this is a show where we like to break apart films and discuss them in great detail, whether we're talking about story, themes, maybe camera work, lighting, some of the technical aspects. Uh, as filmmakers ourselves, we like to try to find something more interesting than just, did you like this movie? Yeah, but that is an aspect of it, too. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and uh, so uh, uh, just to let it be known, there are a lot of spoilers. Uh, Today we're going to be covering um, Call Me By Your Name. Uh, So there's, um, I mean, I'm sure probably if you've heard of it, you know what it's about, but uh, I don't know how much spoiler there could be in this, yeah, but there, that's true. there could be if you, you know, like you want to have form your own opinion about it and we're going to mm-hmm. give you our thoughts on, um, uh, a lot of aspects of, a, of the film. So absolutely. We're going to cover, I mean, not a lot, actually. I walked yeah. away from this movie twice now and, uh, there's certainly some camera work stuff that I want to talk about a little. I'll touch very, very lightly on some of the audio, but a lot of it is just kind of the story and the, the emotion that you kind of ride through this. And I think we'll probably spend the most time discussing that, but there is some really interesting stuff about the camera work that at a minimum, I'm, I'm really curious to hear what you think. I found out something tonight that kind of blew my mind. I just got back from a production meeting with some other filmmakers on a short film we're about to produce on a super 16 millimeter. And one guy just, the DP randomly brought this film up. Oh, wow. (laughs) And he's like, has anybody seen this film? I was like, I've seen it twice actually. And I, watched it today <laughs> he's like oh okay and he just moved along i was like hold on that's really freaking random you got to be a little bit more impressed. yeah yeah <laughs> but yeah so i'm well, excited well let, let's give a quick synopsis of the film uh for those of you that that um hopefully have seen it if you haven't seen it pause this go see it and then come back and and Uh, Then listen to the synopsis. (laughs) Uh, In northern Italy in 1983, 17-year-old Elio begins a relationship with visiting Oliver, his father's research assistant, with whom he bonds over his emerging sexuality, the Jewish heritage, and the beguiling Italian landscape. It's directed by Luca Guadagnino, a screenplay by James Ivory, based on the novel by Andre Asiman. And it's starring Timothy Chalamet as Elio, Army Hammer as Oliver, and Michael Stuhlbarg as Mr. Perlman. Professor Perlman. Thank you so much. So nice. I can show you around. That'd be great. Thank you. So what do you do around here? Read books, transcribe music, swim at the river, go out at night. Sounds fun. All right, later. Just watch. This is how we'll say goodbye to us when the time comes. Later. <laughs> Meanwhile, we'll have to put up with him for six long weeks. Oh. 
muscles are firm. Not a straight body in these statues. They're all curved, sometimes impossibly curved, and so nonchalant, hence their ageless ambiguity, as if they're daring you to desire them. Oh, to see without my eyes The first time that you give Is there anything you don't know? Boundless by the time I cry You only knew how little I know about the things that matter. Build your walls things that matter. You know what things. You saying what I think you're saying? Shouldn't have said anything. Just pretend you never did. beautiful god that music yeah. really just slays me i think it's just beautiful he has multiple songs in uh Sufjan Stevens yeah he has three songs. tracks and they're yeah. all seem pretty significant <laughs> yeah uh they're kind of out of nowhere too yeah it's like all of a sudden a yeah. lot of the music right is just this classical piano vibe right. and it's it's a little punchy um and kind of adds this a few different flavors it feels like it sometimes it there's a bit of a quirky air about um then other times it feels like there's just a, a bit of an energy jump um but all kind of carries this very classical vibe and i feel like there's a lot of reference to classical greek uh, culture in here um even though i know nearly nothing at all about ancient greek culture it right. still it's overt enough that even a dumb dumb like me can pick up on <laughs> so after the film you need a little bit of time to digest and kind of figure out i guess how you feel about it have you arrived at any kind of um place it's only been a few hours it's yeah it's only been a few hours uh, okay um this one's really hard mm. it's really hard for me because I mean, I, I know how you feel about it. Sure. Um, and as much as that doesn't, you know, color my opinion of it, it does, you know, right. Like, you know, somebody that you admire and respect in, in, in film thinks it's the best film of the, of, of the year. And I just, um, <laughs> I don't know how to put it into words. Yeah. It's, it's kind of, cause it's beautiful. It's, it's beautiful and it's elegant and I, I love that it's, it's slow and I love that it takes its time and, and it's very focused on the nature and the surroundings and stuff. I'm, I think part of what, what I have trouble with is just, I don't sit still very well, like, like in life, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. I always oh, need yeah. to be doing something right. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, even if I'm, watching movies, I'm still like doing it for a reason. Yeah. You know, I'm not like, you know, if I, um, I'll play a video game, which I was just doing, uh, or I'll read a book or I'll watch a movie or I'll work out or I'll play with my kid, whatever. I'm always doing something. Mm -hmm. And they were just not like, or <laughs> Timothy, his character, uh, Elliot, uh, what Elio is just like, 
so lethargic the whole time. Just, they were just always laying out and stuff and it was driving me crazy. And that's a personal thing. It has nothing to do with the film, but that part aspect, I was like another nap. Really? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I guess if I lived in Italy and it was, you know, it, and I was 17 and had no job, I'd probably be doing the same thing. No, I wouldn't be doing the same thing. I, I, I would just, I would find something to do. And so that was, that was kind of bothering me. Um, but I thought that his performance was amazing. I mean, you could just see him constantly thinking all the time, um, constantly emoting all the time. Uh, and it was exhausting. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, so I can, and I think they did that for a reason, obviously, because it was exhausting for him yeah. having to go through, you know, uh, finding this thing out about himself. Maybe he knew it already, but, um, having feelings for Oliver and then not thinking Oliver had them. And then, you know, the whole now Oliver does have them and then it's a big, huge deal and they basically fall in love and then you leave. Like that's a huge arc, right? Yeah. One that I feel like most of us have gone through in our lives, maybe not in that exam, you know, exact way, but in a certain way. And, but to see it from the point of view of 1983 homosexual, you know, being like, basically it's not okay. Right. Especially probably in Italy where it's very Christian, very Catholic, but they're Jewish or like, it's very religious. Um, so yeah, it, it had to be really rough and, and his acting was fantastic and he, he really brought that to life, that character life and that the shots at the end, the shot at the end of him staring at the, the fire. There were a lot of really long shots, which I loved. Mm-hmm. I, I thought they were amazing and just the performances were fantastic. I just, I really don't have an answer. This is a long way to say, <laughs> um, I liked it. I enjoyed it. I probably couldn't watch it again. Mm. Um, if I did, it would just, I would have to pay attention to something else uh, other than the the things that I've just mentioned. I'd have to find some other aspect. Um, I did love his father's response at the end to him. That was probably the best part of the movie for me. I don't know if he got nominated for any Academy Awards, Michael Stolbarg. Yeah. But if not, he certainly deserved it. Yeah. That was to me an Academy worthy performance. Just that. I mean, even if just for that scene. Yeah, exactly. Like that Entirely. was. Hey, um, Robin Williams got it just for the park, you know, bench scene. Oh and yeah, hunting, right. Know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So. Um, that was. I wanted to hear him have a. I wanted him to have a little bit of a bigger role. I I don't know that that yeah. scene really brought me in. And was like, yes, this is wonderful. This is a wonderful thing. Um, what I think makes that scene so much stronger too is the film is largely full of nuance. Almost nobody puts their finger on exactly what they're talking about. Yeah, it's all hints. Oh yeah, yeah. and that's a part of the nature not only of uh, of like you said being gay in you know the early '80s in a heavily Catholic country. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and also by the way, love that they just say at the beginning somewhere in northern Italy. Yeah. They don't think town. It's like, you know what, whatever. It's just it, does, it all looks the same. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and yeah, so I think to a large extent you have to be subtle and right. you have to say things kind of between the lines. Um, you can't just be like, 
are you gay? You know, because that could go really, really wrong. Um, and I'll talk about the scene in a little bit, but that scene where they finally both kind of come clean and they're, is still full of subtext. It's, oh, yeah. It's never what they say. Yeah, right. But it's just been this vibe that they've been carrying with one another that they're not sure, he's not sure, you know. Um, and then they finally just kind of hint around it, like, you know what I mean. And yeah. that was it. That was as much as he needed. He's like, crap, you know. Yeah. Okay, here we go. Um, but I think that's also part and parcel to being a teenager and discovering love. And there's that insecurity that you don't want to say, will you be my girlfriend? Or um, can we go out, you know, on a date? You even today in the dating world, people don't really say, would you like to go on a date? That's right. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> That's all you get. Yeah. And so I think you combine those, all those things and you have just probably a good, you know, hour, 52 hours worth of subtlety and nuance. And we're indicating with one another, we're not going over the top. And then you finally have this scene where his father is really putting the finger on it. And even then, honestly, there's still a lot of indirectness about it. Right. Because what does he keep calling it? Your friendship. Yeah, your friendship, yeah. You know, and... He says maybe something more, but... Yeah. That's it. Yeah. That's as far as it goes. But he's still being very direct about the way he feels. Mm-hmm. And he's like, look, this is a very, very special thing. And maybe they did... Elio and Oliver didn't necessarily talk about love, but it was still there in the in in the air. Um, and even just now saying that out loud, their names feel reflective of each other because oh, yeah, yeah. Oliver, right, has all the letters of Elio. Yeah. And they're they're kind of jumbled up, but it feels like they were one and one, you know. Elio has fewer letters, maybe, you know, in a writing sense, that just means that he's younger. He hasn't right. developed as far as Oliver. Right. And that stuff, you might say, oh, you're just throwing crap at the wall. But no, 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 no. Writers really do think of that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I could name other films if we were going to dive into them. But there's a lot of other films that use names as a method of detailing more depth to the story and to the characters themselves. Yeah. And so I think that makes a lot of sense. And that scene with his dad, he's just putting it out there in such a way that it also kind of makes this hereditary argument for homosexuality mm-hmm. because his father clearly throughout the film, right? He had this kind of effeminate air about him and he was just super sweet, but he was also married and you don't think too much about it. He's like, Oh, this is, that's just the way he is. Cause that's frankly how some people are. Right. And so that's the part of humanity. You can never judge anything because if you also judge our two main characters, Ellie and Oliver, there's not a single effeminate thing about either one of them. Right. And they love reading. They love literature. They love sports. They love all these things. And so at no point, I mean, other than the father, nobody else really figured out what was going on because they're not carrying themselves in this kind of stereotypical cliche way that didn't define them. That's just not who they were. And I've known plenty of homosexual guys in my, in my life that don't carry themselves in any particular way. Um, so don't let, you know, these Hollywoodized versions of, of gay culture, like make you think, you know, somebody Mm -hmm. just because of the way it's been presented in the media. There's so much more depth, uh, than that. And just seeing his father discuss that he got close. Yeah. 
but it wasn't so, what they had. So why was this your favorite movie of the year? Was the, it the performances, the writing, what? Yeah, I would say all of that. It was, I mean, I think for me it ended with a, with a hammer because it's... An army hammer? <laughs> I had to. Well I'm done. sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't see it coming. I had to. <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe. I mean, he definitely. Well, sorry. That totally just, <laughs> just threw you yeah. off. Yes. Yes. Do I, not cut that. <laughs> I'll keep it in. All right. And so, for a lot of reasons, I think for one, and it's funny because the last two years, my two favorite films have been around homosexuality. And I think it's because it's still something that's finally gaining mainstream acceptance that in a very, hear me out, this is a very loose connection, but similar in the way that, you know, a war might be fresh, like World War II just happened. So let's kind of explore all the things that happened in the war. We're still being homosexual is now gaining so much cultural acceptance that there's so much rich content to explore. There's so much heartbreak and there's so much loneliness that's out there that was experienced during those times and those ages. And this is especially interesting to compare, like, if you want to have a beer sometime and just talk about Moonlight and Call Me By Your Name, it's really interesting. You're comparing two different cultures and two different experiences. And in this film specifically, there's still a lot to relate to, you know, no matter where you are on the spectrum, because like you kind of said, we've all experienced, you know, heartbreak and love. And in this case, it's a summer love, right? That just happens. It feels like it happens in eternity, but it, their love really unfolded probably in like the last week. Right. <laughs> and that week for them will last the rest of their lives. Yeah. Yeah kills me and then you have just all this space i really love spending time with these characters and for me there is a lot of nostalgia yeah because i was i would spend these summers at my uh on my biological father's side my grandparents have this uh shriners camp and i would spend several summers there growing up and like from the time i was probably like 11 or 12 until i don't know it was like 15 or, or or so, maybe 16. And you would just get into all kinds of ridiculous trouble running around with friends. But there was a lot of times when you are just hanging out by the by the river, mm. reading the book. It's a rainy day. Okay, we're going to sit on the patio and listen to the rain fall on the tin and read more books and play cards. And so all of that kind of hit home, especially, you know, for me, that was probably like late 80s, early 90s, a lot of that that error for me. And so I felt person connected, but I really love spending time with these characters, especially as he's dealing, right? This is a coming of age story. And he's like, you said, he's grappling, like, do I really feel this way? You know? Um, and I loved all the sensitivity on Oliver's part Mm -hmm. because he knew this is a very formative thing that's happening for this kid. And even though he's of age, that still doesn't mean that he knows who he is right. and how he's yeah. going to feel about he's this He's delicate tomorrow. about it. Right. Super delicate. And that carried such a weight of thoughtfulness in the script that this is Elio's decision. This is something that he's dealing with and he's going to have to, in a large sense, be the aggressor. Um, and 
Yeah, I just thought it was so thoughtfully written, wonderfully shot, even though this isn't something that you would look at and say, oh, yeah, yeah, this is just a gorgeous movie. It's gorgeous, and I'll talk about the camera work in a little bit, but in, in all of its subtlety, because it gives you, like you said, there's so many long takes. You give these actors so much room to perform, make mistakes. That's the beautiful thing about long long takes like this. For one, there's minimal risk for the uh for the, for the first AC, the guy who's pulling all the focus, um, the camera blocking is largely pretty simple. And I feel like they just gave these guys so much room. They just said, do whatever feels right. Let's block it loosely, but still feel free to explore mm-hmm. the space. And there's times that the camera just kind of jumps like, oh, I didn't see that coming. Like the, uh, the when he shot, picks up the the whiskey glass, yeah, the whiskey glass, yeah, yeah. Was I was that. like, that felt impromptu. Right? The, the, when the father leans forward at the end and uh, when he's talking to, to Timothy and picks up his his whiskey glass, it's like the camera just was like, oh, let me get that, and then went back. Yeah, and he that's sharp. Like you got to yeah. be on your toes. Yeah. Um, and so hats off to the filmmakers, but it also felt like they were in the edit. They were more concerned with let's get the performances. Mm-hmm. Let's not worry about whether or not we nailed the take, you know, camera wise. You mean? Yeah. Camera wise, yeah, all the yeah. technical stuff, because I know filmmakers who are more concerned with that. Like yeah. if it's not technical quality, it's not a usable take. And for me, I'm really the opposite. I'm like, this is where the performance is. That's really what I care about. So, well, you want to get to the camera. Work yeah, in a let's minute. touch on. Okay, yeah, yeah. I have a question about it. There were a lot of uh, shots that were out of focus for a long time. Why? Particularly towards the end. Yeah, exactly. And I think what they were going for there is they're living out of bounds. Mm-hmm. Their life is out of bounds of society. It's out of focus. The focal distance, right? It was somewhere where they were not, and so it's kind of a uh, metaphor for where they are in society and uh, and in their lives, because it's kind of a timeout for them too, especially for Oliver. For Elio, like he wants it to last forever, but he's a smart kid. He knows this is this is temporary. He's got to leave at some point, and I don't know what happens after that. That's out of our hands. And there's this beautiful moment. Right before they leave, uh, I forget what that city name is that they go on their little two-day trip on. Yeah. Um, but you see Oliver sitting up in bed, and he's out of focus. Right, yeah. And then it slowly racks. And that's kind of the the dawning of the realization that we're drifting back into reality now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's time to go. Yeah. And so it felt like a very intentional method of uh, hinting at, some of the things in the story because mm-hmm. that was also kind of their personal space. We don't necessarily get to see everything yeah. that was in their personal space. Yeah. So I think it works in a, a lot of ways mm-hmm. for sure. And yeah. Okay. And, and then there were also a lot of like shaky handheld looking kind of shots too. Um, I mean, was that, I su- I, was that intentional or was that like a man, the performance was there. We're taking that, that, that shot. Yeah. You mean just in terms of the technical fluidity of the shot itself? Yeah. Yeah. The camera was shaking. Yeah. 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 I think that was exactly what that is. I was just really impressed with, they do so much feels like it's just locked off on a tripod. Well, maybe not necessarily locked off, but you're on a tripod. Mm-hmm. We call that sticks. Like you're on sticks uh, because there's no wheels. There's nothing that allows you any real free range movement to dolly back and forth. 
and maybe they still had that so they can do some light reframing options. Mm-hmm. Um, I found out some film, some DPs actually like to be on sticks, but then have a slider mounted onto the, the tripod head so that the camera operator, if they want to lightly reposition, so maybe someone steps into your frame a little too far and you want to readjust what you can just slide over because in times past you would be on a dolly track and you would be relying on your grip to recognize the shot is off now and they need to push forward. Gotcha. And so you give so much more power to your your camera operator when you do that. But I'm not sure they even did that. Uh, maybe they did it and just used it lightly. I mostly sensed that they were focused on blocking, like let's block around. So if the scene goes from left to right, we're going to be right here in the middle and we're going to start pan to left. We're going to pan to the right following the action, maybe tilt up and down a little bit based on whatever's happening. Reframing. That's one thing I think a lot of up and coming filmmakers don't realize is if you're on a tripod, that doesn't mean lock it off. If you're filming a narrative, if you're shooting like an interview, yeah, maybe you want to lock it off. Maybe. But if you're shooting like a scene with people, don't lock off your tripod. Like you need to be able to reframe if someone leans forward or if they stand up just a little bit or sit up straighter. You need to be able to reframe at a moment's notice and you need to be in sync with your with your actors and just feeling the vibe of what they're about to do and, and reading their minds almost. And here that's exactly what they're doing. It's not locked off. They're panning, tilting, using the 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 geography of wherever they're at. They allow their actors to enter the frame and exit the frame, um, even when they're, they're riding their bikes, right? You're just kind of plopped down in this one shot, and you know exactly where they are and where they're going. Mm-hmm. And they're just, let's just pan to the right. And what's amazing, so they shot this on film. But yeah, I could tell. It's obvious, right? Yeah. And it kind of carries this bleached, faded look that I feel like they, they're borrowing very heavily from ancient Greek culture. Like as they're exhuming these ancient artifacts out of the ocean, right? They feel all a little bit beat up and weathered. And that's how this film feels, which the film itself kind of helps age it a little bit, depending on how you treat it and the post-processing. But I also think that it's amazing. This blew me away. This is the thing I found out earlier tonight. They shot this on one lens. The whole movie? The whole movie was shot on one 35-millimeter lens. <laughs> that blew my mind. What? And it totally makes sense when I'm reviewing it in my head. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can see that now. Why can you see that? Uh, just because of the framing always is relatively same. Whether or not you're doing these uh, punch-ins or these up-close, extreme close-ups. I don't know if they had too many extreme close-ups. But these close-ups of the characters themselves always felt the exact same. The horizon always felt the exact same. I never felt like we were seeing down the barrel, that everything had flattened out. So I always got a really good sense that the depth, the sense of depth was there. Regardless of how, how shallow the depth of field was. We always got a really good look at our landscape and what was happening in the uh, the geography of the space that they were doing. Why would they only shoot it on one lens? Uh, that's a really good question. I like is that a, is that a thought you? It, it's it's obviously a thought that 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 it's they not the had. First time I've heard of it, I couldn't name the film off the top of my head right now, but I know there's like on, at least one other film where they said we're shooting on two lenses only. And that's just going to be a part of the look. Whenever you give yourself some of these constraints, it can help 
solidify the style of your film. And so even yeah, though they still used sense. dolly shots, like they, there's still these dolly ins. I didn't track every one of these. And so in my mind, it might have been the kind of thing where they saved these dolly shots for Elio and Oliver. Mm-hmm. Now we get to push in and now we get to explore the space and go deeper. Um, so I feel like it was kind of a metaphor for their relationship and their connection. That was the times we got to go deeper, not necessarily when he was with the girl. Mm-hmm. It's a very distinct decision. I've seen the same thing where they said, we're going to shoot this film. And when this character's on screen, we're always going to be locked off. We're going to be on sticks. Whereas if this character's on screen, will track with them from left to right only because he's moving forward. And so you make these kind of decisions that might sound silly in pre-production or if you're talking to someone who isn't a filmmaker because they're like, you're not going to pick up on that. But it's all these little subtleties that you add into the film that begin to, to create mm-hmm. a style mm-hmm. and a texture to it. I feel like if I were to rewatch this and pick up some of the color choices, there would probably be a lot there as well. A lot of yellow. A lot of yellow. I really loved when... They were all sitting at the table towards the end. The table is yellow, and the mother's wearing yellow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whereas the older men, um, Oliver and the father, are both wearing blue. Like, the father has this dark blue. Uh, Oliver has that light blue shirt that Elio wants. And Elio is wearing, yeah. I think, like this striped red shirt. Like, there's this transition that was happening. Um, but the mother felt like she blended into the scene. Yeah. Like she was almost an object. Yeah, right. And she didn't count. Her view didn't count in this world, maybe. But she was still what I love to. He called her. At the end when he was like Oh right, yeah. I don't want to write the book, just come can you come get me? Yeah. I love that. Like she was still obviously a very significant part, but this was a story about men in a very specific way. Um Yeah, so there's so many cool things. I think the uh, the long takes, like we said earlier, just allowed so much room to create, and that's a bold decision because you're you're committing to that. Mm-hmm. There's not a lot of coverage that they got. Um, one of the most covered scenes when they started getting to these long takes felt like the uh, the father talk because they started really long on this this uh, wider shot right with them on the couch, and then halfway through that scene, you lightly start to dolly in. Very lightly. Right. And then whenever he gets to his big point, we cut to the coverage, the closer. The closer. Uh, yeah. And my favorite long shot is is when they are on the bikes and they come to the store. Basically, when Elio comes out to Oliver, that whole shot, I think we were like halfway through before I realized, oh, this is still the same shot as when they pulled up on the bikes. And then it was a whole nother half to it. I was like, Wow. What an awesome performance by both of them in that in that scene. What's amazing about that scene, uh, maybe that's overhyping it, but <laughs> what I loved about that scene is because you're right, they do stay with them that whole time. And right about the time, well, at exactly the time, whenever he's making that call out, when he's saying, I wanted you to know, why did you tell me this? I wanted you to know that that confession scene, they break the 180 degree rule. Which All right. the 180 degree rule is effectively whenever you're, you're drawing a line that you're not going to allow your camera to cross so that you kind of keep the geography very familiar for the audience so you don't lose track of who's where and where are they in relation to each other. And that way it makes everything a little bit easier in the mind of the, of the viewer. 
But if you want to emphasize something, then you break that rule to say that something is changing. We're taking a new view of what's happening. But what I like about it especially is they lightly established the, the line, the 180 line, and they lightly break it. It's not a heavy breakage because in that scene, we're only lightly getting into that territory because mm-hmm. what does he say not long after that? Just leave it. Forget it. We ever even had this conversation. Yeah. Because Oliver isn't really ready to go there because he's got self-restraint, which they established in his character early on with the egg. Mm-hmm. He's like, I know myself. If I do this, it's going to lead to this and this. And so he takes that same self-restraint, you know, with Elio. And I think it's reflected in how they break that 180 degree line. And it's also probably because they're because they're using that lens they're and they're farther away. Mm-hmm. It's it's not like, you know, like like the shot at the end of uh, where they cut of the father uh, uh, yeah. where they where they punch in. Uh huh. Breaking the rule on something that close right. is different than breaking that rule in this scene that we're talking about because they're farther away. Mm-hmm. You can see their whole bodies. Yeah, it's it's a it's a full body shot. So it's not like um, you you need more reference. You have all the reference, so right. they can they can cross, you know. And it's not as big of a like you said as big of a breakage mm-hmm. maybe. Yeah, yeah. and. I mean, they still had as much track as they want because they were dollying around mm-hmm. uh, on that. And they yeah. they could have went further if they wanted to. Yeah. But it's like, we just want to dip our toes. Yeah. We're just, it was, it was, just testing the water. Um, it was amazing. God. I loved all of those. All of those. Um, it, it felt very personal. Um, the style-wise, it felt like a very personally established style. And, yeah, I love restraint. Anytime a filmmaker says, here's the rules, we're going to follow them until we can't. Yeah. Like there's always going to be a time when maybe you have to break your rule. Maybe they actually had to break out, you know, a, a 50 millimeter lens and they're just not going to talk about it. Right. Yeah. Know. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. But the rule was we're shooting on this 35 and the rule is we're going to stick to these longer takes. Mm-hmm. And it shapes so much of the film. Like, so w- one question, uh, uh, story wise and, Granted, it's a story, mm-hmm. so any you know, it, the story is what you write it, right? And it is yep. what it is. But I'm, I mean, maybe this is a aspect of it being in Italy, but they were American, right? And I, in 1983, getting that kind of response from your father would have been very rare. Yeah, and so. I'm just wondering why you think, I mean, it's, it, it's okay. This is kind of a dumb question because it's the story. That's just what it is. The story was written where but the father is accepting, story logic. but yeah, story. Okay. Thank you. So story logic would say that shit did not happen very often. If ever, you know, I'm sure it did, yeah, yeah. but very rarely. So I think this is also why the Greek, Art played such a significant role. The f- the opening title oh, sequence because it was is yeah, all yeah. Greek, yeah, yeah, ancient, Greek and it was art. very open and accepted in Greek culture. Yes, yeah, yeah. and so if you want to <clears throat> even back your way into it, he chose Greek art for that reason as a father, and he chose to live maybe away from 
where a lot of his family from America. is. Yeah, yeah. And so that he could create a culture for his son to grow up to be whoever he wanted to be. Mm-hmm. And so okay. he created this really massive safe space. How beautiful was it to watch them lay down together and have the mother read a book? Oh, yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> that was, yeah. That was magical. That I was loved really spending magical, time yeah. with all of these people. Yeah. And everyone deserved love in this film, yeah. whether it was the women, um, even the, the, the not girlfriend? so smart one. Well, she she was smart. Uh, she was just oh. hard-headed. Oh, you mean the uh, <laughs> Oliver's girl. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kiara or whatever it is. Yeah, right. Um, she is amazing, but she she was having a hard time totally catching a hint. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> but, yeah, so on that point, I think those were a lot of the reasons that the father chose, you know, way he, his profession, but also loved the the insistence on using, you know, Greek art and Greek culture as a, a touchstone. I wouldn't be surprised, and a lot of uh, cinematographers do this, if they referenced a lot of this look and style and the lighting based on Greek art. Like, it wouldn't mm-hmm. surprise me if they were looking at some of the main Greek art references and said, this 35 milliliter lens best references this artwork. Like, I feel like if they if they were to shoot this painting with a lens, it would have been this lens. Mm-hmm. That may have very well played a huge influence I, and seriously would not be surprised because so much, you know, old paintings have such strong references to lighting styles. And so you can go look at a Rembrandt and say that, oh, he's very accustomed to, to painting his subjects with this very specific lighting choice. Or you look at a Vermeer and say he's got hyper-realistic lighting, um, which if you've never seen Tim's Vermeer, go watch that. I think that has a very informative look at uh, Vermeer's lighting decisions. But yeah, so Greek culture plays such a strong influence, and I wish I just knew more about it to to really appreciate all the ways that they were referencing and drawing it, drawing it into this film, for sure. One other, the last little two bits that I have on camera work and stuff <laughs> is there's this really cool shot that when Oliver and Elio leave for their vacation, I love that, that shot of he gets on the bus, the bus starts to take off, but Oliver's moving. So we have a tracking shot Oh yeah, right. where the camera never moves. Yeah. <laughs> That's so cool. <laughs> and so on the foreground, you have kind of the, uh, the parents who are stationary and then you have Oliver who's running, but the only thing that's really moving is the bus. Yeah. And that's such an inventive tracking shot yeah. uh, that I think, you know, I kind of tip my hat to those guys. That's awesome. I liked that <laughs> shot. Really clever. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other what thing else? that I thought was cool was the very first time Sufjan Stevens plays his first song that comes on, you start getting these light leaks and you'll see this in a lot of, I feel like if I'm watching a video online and someone uses light leaks, it's which is these colors and these flaring colors that are just popping around on the video. Uh, and what that is is it comes from if you're if you're shooting on film, you need to have complete darkness, or else you're going to expose your film improperly, right? And you're going to ruin your film. Well, sometimes the gate has a little leak in it where light can escape in. Maybe you press it, press the lens at an awkward angle, and it's just not a very secure uh, gate. And a little light gets in. 
Well, it, that creates these weird little banding uh, flecks of light. And that can be a specific style. Like in this case, that's exactly what they do. They wanted to kind of create this emotion that he doesn't know what he is and there's something that's kind of getting into him. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's a very metaphoric use of light leaks here. And it bothers me a little bit when I see filmmakers use them for these humdrum videos because I feel like nine times out of ten, if I see someone using light leaks, it's to cover up their lack of creative agency. Mm-hmm. And it's like a shortcut to art. Gotcha. It's artsy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, and that just kind of rubs me. I'm like, how about, you know, go try to create something. But this is legit. This, <laughs> this is the is way, legit. It the felt, way you use it. Yeah. It felt very specific yeah. and kind of risky too. Cause you have a guy giving you performance and I don't know how they did it. I would be willing to bet the farm that they didn't do this in post. This isn't a post effect that they said, okay, we're going to flash the flash the, the gate a little bit to let in some light and hopefully we don't hopefully you don't overexpose yeah <laughs> because it's so risky but it's so beautifully done they kind of do it again later I I kind of botched my note on this I put in this there was a kissing scene where they let in another little light leak but it's just kind of on the left side of the frame and it's interesting too because in those that first light leak. You get you see some of the actual frame of the film running by, um, and so was, they wow. did some really risky. I missed that. Yeah, it was super fast, but I was like, oh, I missed it my first time. Huh. Yeah, so I feel like they use it twice. The second time, much more lightly, um, almost like you know there's an impression being made and it's solidifying because we don't really know where Elio goes from here. Yeah, he's hearing maybe the love of his life or maybe just the love his first love getting engaged and choosing a completely different lifestyle. And maybe that's who he is too. Like I think bisexuality has a really big stigma, maybe more than homosexuality at this point. Yeah. Um, Cause you kind of have your groups and I've heard women say I've broken up with dudes because I found out that they were bisexual. And it's like, what does that matter? They were there with you. Um, but there's still just very strong, intense feelings yeah. um, around that. Yep. And so maybe he, Maybe they're all, you know, bisexual and they you love who you love. And if society was better, maybe they would have chosen this love. But they go on with their lives at the end of the day. Um, Yeah. Wow. I missed those light leaks. I didn't I didn't see them. There's so much emotion that's just hitting you over the head. The other thing that I kind of picked up on was the we talked about the music a little bit already. Yeah. But there's that shot in town before the confession. The first time where they go hang out in town, they're kind of talking yeah. and you have these cars running around that that felt like they were just mixing it live. Like I didn't sense that this is 80 yard. Yeah. The, the cars going by. Yeah. They were really loud. Super loud. Yeah. Like if I was going to mix that, I wouldn't have mixed it that loud. No. Right. And so it felt like they were just very committed to we're getting the best performance that we can screw everything else yeah because there's so many actors that they go into the adr booth and you just lose a little bit of the uh, magic yeah no yeah and it's it horrible. sucks because that's all empathy and acting really is is it's a very minute connection can i say something about the audio um if you go see this movie don't eat celery 
in this movie <laughs> because it's so quiet. Yeah. It, it, like most of the movie is like so, so quiet, which I, I love, but I, I got Buffalo cauliflower and it comes with celery <laughs> You and start I had to, dialogue. I, I, yeah, and well, I I know I had to wait for some kind of sound so I could bite into the thing cuz otherwise I'm like looking around everybody looking at me cuz I'm the only one crunching in the theater. It's like jeez, man. Uh but uh that being said, you know, so that could bother some people mm-hmm. because it's so quiet that you hear everything. I mean, you hear, you know, rustling of sheets sounds like an earthquake, you know, mm-hmm. like smacking of lips sounds just like somebody's in your ear doing it. It's, yeah. it's very poignant. Um, all the sounds are very poignant and it sounds delicious for lack <laughs> of a better term. Um, but there were, were some times I was just, I was like, give me, Oh my gosh, I don't know. Give me some kind of like, droniness going on because I can't take it. It's like me smacking into this microphone. (laughs) Some, there were a couple of scenes. uh, I want to say the peach scene, uh, was a little, not even what he did was uncomfortable. That's fine with that. Like whatever. It's very aggressive audio. It's very aggressive audio. (laughs) It like, if you were in the room, yeah, if you were him, doing it or you were in the room doing it, it wouldn't sound that way. That's what kind of gets me about that a little bit. You know, it's like, okay, you know, you don't have to chew your gum into the microphone, you know, like I get, I get it. I get it. So that was a little bothersome to me, but it was still, it was still beautiful. Yeah. It was still like, I, I wouldn't want him to do it any other way, even yeah. though it bothered me. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Because it, it it gave itself to the story. It was just like you said, they committed to it, audio and all. Yeah. You know? And yeah. So I don't know. Take take that for what it is, okay. for what what you will. But and so I mean, by the end of the movie, I w- I really was just torn to pieces. Uh, I've definitely had, you know, summer love and I've had, you know, heartbreaks and you know that feeling. And I loved the writing there because it completely justifies Oliver's decisions. The way Elio responds on the phone, right? He doesn't turn into an immature imbecile. He just, he's like, this is part of life and it hurts. But it is what it is. Um, it's like that talk with his dad really just paid dividends, right? And yeah. and so it really showed that he was a very mature kid, and he did come of age, and he's there, and he's got his whole life in front of him, and it's a matter of how he wants to go. There's very few scenes that I've seen like the the credits. Oh man, what? It's there were no rules in this film, no. you know, like, I mean the opening credits too, it would just every, everything, but especially the ending, I mean, yeah. over his scene. Powerful. And so by the time the, the lights come up, you're ready to walk out like in terms of the movie's over, but it's still resonating so strongly because it's almost challenging you. You can leave. 
the yeah. credits are here. <laughs> no, no. Most most films, even even you know um, um, really heavy ones, they give you that cr- the time and the yeah. credits to kind of like collect yourself as you're deciding to get up and leave. This was the credits are over the one of the most profound scenes in the film. Mm-hmm. And so by the time the credits are over and the scene is over together, all of a sudden the lights come up and you're like, oh, shit, I get I'm now I got to get up right now. Wait a minute. Hold on. I need a breath. <laughs> like, wow. Uh, it was just that was crazy decision, man. It, uh, uh, yeah, I cannot guts. imagine because and to, I'm sorry to put text over that. To like watch, I mean, it was that was an Academy Award winning yeah. like moment, yeah. and uh, or at least nominated moment, and you're putting text over it. What? <laughs> All right, okay. And I can't imagine how difficult it was to do. You have a camera right in your face. Yeah. And you probably so, don't even have a real fire. It was, it, yeah, right. I was thinking that too. <laughs> so obviously not, because the camera is like right there. But how far away do you think the camera actually physically was with a thirty-five? Thirty-five. Ooh, maybe a foot. A foot away. Maybe. Because yeah, I mean he was pretty close. Yeah. I'm trying to think of my thirty-five. So yeah, is in. a is a thirty-five kind of like what your eye would normally be? Like uh, if I put my head a foot away from your face, would that be like a? No, that'd be more like a fifty. Okay, so. Yeah. So like, like what? Three feet? Two feet? Yeah, maybe two feet. Two feet. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so it's a little, little bit, yeah, because it's a little bit wider. A little bit wider. Right. Yeah. Okay. And which means you got to get a little bit closer. Oh, so then. It, then it would be closer than yeah, a, yeah. okay. So I a see. fifty would be like uh, two like, feet away. Okay, gotcha. And then a thirty-five would probably be like a foot. Not yeah, not quite half the distance, but close. Wow. And so it's just right up in your mug. Dang. Hey, go for it. Yeah. Yeah, that had, that had to be hard. Uh, I mean, I don't know. You got to be in the moment, man. That's yeah. That's one of those things where not just being it, but staying it. To stay in it for several minutes, mm-hmm. and then. To ride that wave the way he did, and then to time it with the dialogue where his mom calls to him. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he probably wasn't thinking about timing, I would imagine, no, no. right? And he was just trying to get it. Just trust the director. He's watching the clock. Yeah. I'll hear my name eventually right now. I'm just going to ruminate yeah. on all these experiences and yeah. just go there. This movie That's really good. did a number because... I'm really glad I got to see it the first time by myself because, uh, like you, like you walking out, like I, I know I was not going to talk until you talked. I was like, yeah, just yeah. give him space, but also know that it's, it to a point probably starts to feel weird to not talk when you're with, you know, your buddy and you're yeah, trying right. to Did you like deal it? with Did all the like stuff. It? Yeah. yeah right. <laughs> um, but for me, like I did, I got to sit there in the credits for longer <laughs> And then I got up and walked to my car by myself and turned off all the music and just sat in that for the next, I don't know, 45 minutes or so. Just kind of mm. went home, found all those music tracks and played some stuff on Stevens. And, <laughs> and cried. And, man, I wanted to. Like, yeah. I bet. By that point, it was, it was over. But, I I mean, I definitely cried in the theater. 
And but more than anything, it was like I'm trying to not completely have a breakdown. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> because it's just so strong. The last I don't know, 15, 20 minutes is just really, really uh, impactful and yeah. just kind of taking you through all these emotions as you're empathizing and also connecting your own life experiences. Yeah, you know, it was. It, this is a whole different life for me. Right. Yeah. But I, I did go through something like this with, with a, a woman, mm-hmm. but where we would get, we were actually together for a while and then I, and then we broke up and I found out she was engaged and it totally rocked my world, like completely rocked my world. And so when it, I don't know when I, when I think about that and I think about Elio and how he felt, I can completely empathize with what he was going through when he got that phone call from Oliver and where it's like, okay, he's not here. He's probably with someone else and that's okay. Right. Maybe I'll see him again one day and maybe he'll still have feelings. Maybe I will, maybe something could happen. Then you get that phone call and all of that is is dashed. Even if that never happened, even if that was never going to actually happen, they would never see each other again. Still, the possibility is in your head, right? But this phone call destroys all of that. This phone call takes all of that away. It's almost like it'd be better if he hadn't called. Right. And then he were to just maybe 20 years from now, ran, run into him in the the streets of New York or something one day or, or, or something. But to get that phone call and to get that news, it it can it can be destroying in the moment, but it can also be freeing in the long term. Yeah. And so it was for me in the long term. And so I, I think that when I'm watching that and I and I, I see what he's going through and I remember what I was going through, I can identify with that, but I also see the light on the other side right? He's a strong kid. He's smart. He's got a support system with his parents who love and support him no matter what. To me, it's kind of almost rewarding, um, him, uh, in the end hearing that, even though it ends sad with him crying, it's still, he's got to go through that. He's got his, what his dad said, be sad. Don't push that down. Don't let that slide by you know, cause it will eat at you, you know, and embrace that, that brokenness that you feel at that moment. And, and then that'll turn into something else. Cause, cause I've done the thing that his father was warning against where I just kind of had one heartbreak too many. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know what? Not dealing, not going to deal with it. Just going to shove just it all down. Shove it all down. And yeah. I didn't cry for several years mm. and also kind of felt a little bit lifeless. Yeah. Right. So yeah, don't run from it. Run yeah. to it. Yeah, yeah. Embrace it. It's part of the beauty of life. I mean, you you feel it whether you want to or not. Yeah. So either you can push it down and then maybe one day it'll just explode or you can let it out lightly, you know, yeah. through throughout your life, you know, yeah. which is what you're supposed to do. I mean, yeah. we're humans. We have emotions, sometimes irrational emotions, sometimes emotions that are rational but not not what we want to feel at that moment, mm-hmm. even though we're supposed to feel that way, but you still, yeah. you know, you got to embrace that. And, uh, so, so maybe that's why I wasn't as like, as like 
you know, kind of destroyed as you were after seeing it my first time. Yeah. I, I think if I would have seen it by myself, it might've been a little bit of a different experience. Yeah. But yeah, I just, I just see like more of a, like, okay, just get through this man. Yeah. You know, you're, you're young, you're, you, you got your life ahead of you, you know? Yeah. Can I tell you the last thing, the scene that kind of sticks with me that I love, uh, silly really, but the scene where they're they're driving back or riding their bicycles back and they stop to get a glass of water <laughs> from this random woman's house. Yeah. Yeah. And she's like happy to do it. And then uh, he like eats a bean. Eats a bean and it kinda irritates Oliver. I love that. It kinda speaks to a little bit of the country style living, the culture. Yeah. Uh, maybe Italy, but I also like to think of this is a way country people everywhere in the world exist. Mm -hmm. You know, they, they like helping people. They like being there for people. That's certainly been my experience, you know, backpacking or, and all these Spanish countries that I've been to. I've met so many people along the way that I remember this kid one time on a bus. It was a really long slog through the Dominican Republic, bumpy roads. And I was actually really hungry, but, uh, this kid next to me is with his mom. They have like these little snacks that they brought and he kind of turns to me and is like, hey, yeah, you hungry? I was like, actually, <laughs> thank you. You know, and they just shared their food with me. Uh, that's happened. That kind of stuff has happened so many times. People bring you home to cook for you that I can imagine being thirsty and being like, I really need a glass of water right now. Um, and just knocking, seeing some random woman and saying, hey, can we get a glass of water? Boom. On our way. <laughs> yeah. And it's just it's awesome. this very communal uh, experience that you mm -hmm. can't replicate outside of it's just in your heart or it's not yeah yeah that was that was awesome little things like that little mm -hmm. touches all over this film yeah i mean it was a beautiful story man yeah. don't don't get me wrong i'm not <laughs> you're not down i don't on think it. i'm not down on it at all i just i uh, it's uh i just received it in a different way yeah i feel like yeah. than than you not in a more negative way or anything but are you having trouble with your microphone? Dude, this thing has just been fighting me all episode. It does you're you're talking it. across it, not into it. It doesn't matter. I'm talking right into it now, and it still sounds the same crap. I don't sound as pretty as you. Get closer. I'm like inside the microphone right you're not, now. You're not. I'm three times closer than you right now. <laughs> I don't know what Look, you think. I'm this. I'm this far away. I'm. You fucking liar. <laughs> I am. No, you just lean forward. Did you not feel oh, yourself oh. lean forward? When You're I like talk, six inches away from the okay. mic. I've been here this whole time, and it still sounds like I'm. I don't know if there's like a connection or something, but it's driving me <laughs> mad. We'll switch mics the next next time we record. Don't you forget that. <laughs> okay. All right. I'm still gonna sound way better than you. Well, that's just you, <laughs> silky. You gotta keep this argument on the air too. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so do you have a reco for the week? <laughs> <laughs> Seamless transition. Smooth. Wesley. Seem, just like smooth as butter. Uh, I do. Uh, where did it go? I had it here. Hang on one second. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, so another kind of like uh, freeing film that I really liked when it came out. Um, Eddie Vedder wrote all the soundtrack to it, Into the Wild. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, um, directed by Sean Penn, and I think he wrote it too. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, Eddie Vedder did the soundtrack to it, and it, well, I remember when I saw it, it was like so. Uh, I mean, almost 
like what we talked about last week, like this Tyler Durden esque yeah. like character of just f- I'm going to be free and do whatever I want. Yeah, uh, it's just a beautiful film, um, uh, and the way it ends is cr- just crazy crushing. So yeah, Into the Wild. Nice, nicely done. Yeah. I went through like three films before I finally settled on A Single Man. Uh, I've heard of it. A 2009 film, Tom Ford. The scene at the end reminded me of one of the scenes in A Single Man. And so if you want to see another just incredible performance, it, I mean, it's like a five minute. Who's in it? Uh, Colin Firth, I think. Oh, okay. Yeah, Colin Love Firth. Love him. He's so good. Uh, Julianne Moore, it's got a really great cast. Um, it's really powerful, subtle. It's a lot of these similar shooting styles. So I think there's a lot of uh, brotherhood between Call Me By Your Name and A Single Man. So definitely check it out. I was close to recommending like Lady Bird, which is also Timothy Chalamet, and Manic, which is a really old, super indie uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt film. Uh, oh, because yeah. I feel like Timothy Chalamet is on that track to be another Joseph Gordon-Levitt. For uh, sure. Just brilliant and talented and mm-hmm. doing all the things. Agreed. Awesome. Nice. Nicely done. Yeah. All right. Well, that's what we got, guys. Um, just make sure to review us um, and and go on our uh, on our website, thepestlepodcast.com slash call me by your name for some show notes and any little extra tidbits that Wes feels like he wants to throw up there. Yeah. Um, and please go review us on iTunes and let us know what you'd like us to talk about. Uh, we always want to hear from you guys. So, um, um, please reach out to us. We, you know, we do this and we talk to each other, but we're really talking to you too. So, Absolutely. so make sure to let us know that you actually hear us. Uh, and so we're going to end with the quote of the day. Uh, Allen Ginsberg, go for it. Ooh. Yeah. Like Todd just said, this comes from Allen Ginsberg. Concentrate on what you want to say to yourself and your friends. Follow your inner moonlight. Don't hide the madness. You say what you want to say when you don't care who's listening. I love that from him because he was a homosexual poet, you know, in the uh, early 50s, 40s, 30s, 20s. I don't know. I don't know when his career really began, but he wrote a book called How or a poem called How that went on to be published, but because it was being published, it came against the government and it was considered Mm. uh, obscene, too obscene for the public. And they ended up going to trial. Can't remember how far it went in trial or how that all worked out, but just super powerful um, because it had a lot of homosexual imagery and that was how society viewed it. Uh, Society viewed it so strongly that through our government, we try to strong arm some uh, free expression. Mm-hmm. That's, well, our, our government has done that uh, along uh, a lot of lines absolutely. throughout history. <laughs> and, absolutely. And that's yeah. kind of why I like pointing out that it's the government is only made up of our, you know, society. Yeah. It's just people. us. It's yeah. Just right. Us. Right. They're not these magic, you know, magicians who get to, I don't know. They're they're not from some faraway land, and they're, they're not all knowing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I love that. Uh, and after finding this quote, it made me wonder if that's where Moonlight got its name from. Because mm. um, I love that, you know, follow your inner Moonlight. Don't hide the madness. You know, be who you are. Yeah. No matter who you're talking to. Yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, it's have the bravery to do that. that that's kind of scary. It is. You know, to do. I mean, I, I think something like. 
especially something like homosexuality. I, I mean, obviously I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm married, I have kids, but I, I would like to think that something that involves loving another person shouldn't be, it shouldn't, it shouldn't have to be scary. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. We make it scary. Society makes it scary because of the way that we treat people that, that, or just the notion of, of two men loving each other or two women loving each other. But it's, it's love it is not the same as, uh, you're not hurting another person. You're not hurting yourself. And that's what a law is supposed to prevent you hurting yourself or you hurting someone else. Yeah. But this is the complete opposite of that. So why, why should it be looked down upon or, or looked at even as, as different, you know, when I raise my son, I don't, it does not matter to me at in the least, or my daughter does not matter to me in the least who they love, just that they love. Yeah. Right. And that they're who they want to be and they don't have fear of telling anybody and everybody who they are and, and what they want to do, what they want to be. Like if there's nothing else that I give my kids, it's got to be that. And this is uh, man, such a great quote for this film. And I, I think I think from just our talk and from the film today, I'm just gonna take the fa- the father scene with me oh to bed, and I'm gonna like live with that for the next few days because yeah. it's is def when I was watching that, it's definitely I was taking notes yeah. in my head of what I would hope, you know, what wisdom I would hope to to give to either other people or my children or, or, or whomever that are going through something like this, like just, you know, if, if you think it's bad now, it's going to get way better, man, it's going to, it's going to get way better. This is, it's becoming more normal, you know, and hopefully one day, just like, you know, uh, hopefully we won't see color and we won't see sexuality. We'll just, you know, see people. Uh, I mean, hopefully that's the goal, right? <laughs> amen. amen, yeah. amen. I'm couldn't preaching. I'm preaching, baby. Dude, I couldn't say it any better. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, with that, we're going to, we're going to leave it to you guys. Make sure that you go see call me by your name. It is a fantastic film. Hey, what do you give it? Ooh. <laughs> we, we didn't, we didn't do that with fight club last week. So, um, I'd give this probably, between a nine and a 10, I'm probably okay. at least a nine for sure. After you walked out the first time, what would you have given it? In that moment, a 10. A 10. Yeah. Okay, cool. It right. hit me too hard. Yeah, right. If you right. can make something resonate that deeply and that originally, yeah. then yeah. And this isn't, this isn't the kind of film that you can watch multiple times. I mean, it is, it is definitely, but like, like you, I feel like you get a different experience depending there, there's so many factors yeah like for you you saw it the first time by yourself yeah right one you didn't know what you're walking into mm-hmm. well maybe a little bit but not really not really uh two and now i'm sitting next to you you've already seen it uh um it's in the middle of the day instead of at night mm-hmm. so there's a lot of you know a lot of different factors and they all affect your absorption of this film totally which 
is amazing. That's, it really that's is. awesome. It really you know, is. like, I mean, you go see a Transformers movie. It doesn't matter if it's two o'clock in the afternoon or midnight. Yeah. It sucks. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> sorry. We're never done bashing We're never that done film. bashing, bashing them. Um, uh, so I, I think I would probably give it, if you would have asked me when I walked out of the film, I probably would have given it a seven. Mm-hmm. But now after talking about it a little bit more, I probably give it an eight. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. It's really, it's really good. And I think if I would have seen it by myself, which I don't go see movies by myself really yeah. often, I don't have that yeah. luxury of doing that. <laughs> um, but if I did, I probably would have maybe given it an eight and a half or so. Mm-hmm. I would, I would imagine. Yeah. 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 Awesome. Thanks man. This is good. Yeah, I'm glad we fun. did it. Yeah, me too. Me too. <laughs> and minute. you're going out of town. Yeah, I'm going for two weeks in Mexico. Oh, man. We need to do a pestle over the phone. Okay. You got to teach me how to do this mix minus thing and yeah. we're going to do it. Yeah, it's pretty much already set up. I'll show you. Okay, great. Great. <laughs> so if the next episode sounds weird, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> where, are you, where are you going? Uh, Playa del Carmen. Nice. Just going to lay out and drink Mai Tais on the beach. Yeah, let's let's go with that imagery. Okay. For the next two weeks, that's all I'm doing. All you're doing. Yeah. You're gonna take like na- a lot of naps, <laughs> lot of like this, <laughs> like like Elio. Read my books. Yeah, wear really short shorts. <laughs> Send me some pictures. Just like, <laughs> I mean, where do they find those shorts? I mean, come on. I know it's 1983, but it's those are like super... those are like 1980s basketball shorts. Like, <laughs> they don't leave much to the imagination. <laughs> They really don't. In fact, I think there's one or two shots where you might be able to see a little something on uh, Timothy. I think so. Yeah. Okay, we're done. All right, guys. Uh, Until next time, I'm Todd. I'm Wes. Go watch the movies. (laughs) 